Unloose the goose. We'll take no use. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Hello, I want to welcome everyone to episode 18 of the Unloose the Goose podcast. This is Peter Quinones. I am here with Nicole Sauce. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing great tonight. Jack Spirico. Hey, guys. Xavier Hawk. Hello. Let's get to the important stuff first. Uh, what's everybody drinking? I'm a liar. Can I be a liar? <laughs> so... I'm like full on keto right now. And so I've got liars, which is fake whiskey. It's whiskey with no um, alcohol mixed with fizzy water. Cheers. There it go. I have mind altering herbal mead and it's not the herb you're probably thinking of. It's Heather chamomile and elderflower, but it is quite mind altering. Hawk. Pratum and tequila. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> tequila. You know what tequila is for me? What's that? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight that cop. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's looking at me funny. <laughs> hey, note to self, don't give Pete any tequila here. No tequila. Alright, so oh, he gets angry and shit when he drinks tequila too. That's right. <laughs> All right, so this is probably going to insult a ton of people, and but that's fine. Um, <laughs> we are going to talk about religion and spirituality tonight, and um, what we decided we were going to do is start off by going around and having everyone say something positive about religion or spirituality. So I'm going to hand it off to Xavier Hawk. All right, so... In a fledgling society of bipeds that's immature and has no idea where they are in the cosmos, religion needed to be existing to teach people how to be well-domesticated humans and not fucking destroy everything. So in that regard, in the infancy of humanity, I think it was a great thing. Um, that being said, I'll leave the negative comments as we further progress. You okay to go, Nicole? Sure. I I have a lot of positive things to say about organized religion. And it I think the thing that it brings that's most important is community. And so when you have somewhere that you're physically going once a week and a and a group of people, you naturally start forming those relationships and that support network is still there even when the government support network is gone. Jack, I, she stole my idea. Um, <laughs> I, I very much agree with this. Um, it's actually one of the few things that I miss. I, I like many people on this call tonight. Grew up Catholic. Grew up in the church. Went to Catholic school until I managed to get myself kicked out. And one of the things I can say about the church and the surrounding community is how tight it was. You know, everything from like church picnics and block parties and stuff like that, where I grew up to if somebody had a problem, like it just took a phone call and they did a really good job with, with looking out for each other. So, I mean, there's no way I can fault that. And I've not actually seen the consistency of that. I've seen communities that are tight that have nothing to do with faith, 
I've never seen the consistency of that kind of tight community across, you know, major geographic regions that comes with a lot of the, the faiths and churches. And then particularly, I'm incredibly impressed with the character created by the, uh, the Mormon church. I've said to some of my Mormon friends, if I could believe what you believe, I would do it because the character of the people that you create is absolutely phenomenal. I just, I can't pretend to believe something I do not believe. And I mean, like the Mormon church has their own welfare system. They've actually replaced state welfare. I don't know anybody else that's done that. Um, So I think there's an incredible thing there. Um, But I don't think it's because religion. I think it's the religion became the catalyst for what already exists within us, some sort of unifying idea. And that might be what's absent to many of us that go out into the world of agorism and, and libertarianism and anarchism because we're all like, screw you. And uh, we maybe we need more of that, that common bond. I think it's just inherent at this stage of evolution that people are looking for an authority. And I, I think it's just everybody, everybody in one chat. I don't, the most hardcore anarchist is looking to an authority um it may not be in a person but it may be in a belief and you know to believe in anarchism to believe in that people can self order it's a belief i mean it's it's a faith you're taking that on faith you can't prove it mm-hmm. so i think that when it comes to say using the example of the catholic church the catholic church provides one tradition and two authority and I think that's what people look for. And especially in times like this, I mean, I would, I've talked to a couple friends who, you know, they, they were anarchists, libertarians. They've been for a while, but especially this year, watching what the government has been able to do and the government taking on all this authority, especially medical authority. Um, they're looking more towards the church as a way out of, as a, as <laughs> anyone who knows the great hymn, as a bulwark against what's coming, what's obviously coming. So I look at the church as a religion, a church, as a useful vehicle, something that like-minded people can actually use to, as a, um, as a fallback when it's become obvious that there's no political authority and that they can't be trusted. So people can disagree with me. I don't care. (laughs) Well, no one disagrees with you, Pete. Every, the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, the free man beyond the wall. (laughs) That's why I'm out there by myself. I don't care. Okay. Well, I mean, this is probably going to, this is probably going to deteriorate really quick. So, um, do we want to go through the definition of theist, deist, atheist that Jack was talking about earlier this sure. morning, or do we care? Sure. I, I, I personally think it might be useful. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. I, I can do that if nobody else wants to. Like, yeah, go ahead, man. So I, I think the first thing I want to start with instead of theist, deist, and, deist, and atheist is gnostic and agnostic, because these are the two phrases that people throw. Well, actually, the one phrase that people throw around all the time with no idea of what it means. It's like that stupid 80s movie, The Princess Bride or whatever. That word doesn't mean what you think it means. So people think the word agnostic is like atheist light. 
It's like I'm an atheist, but I accept that I could be wrong. Well, yeah, that's like one piece of agnosticism. Gnosticism and agnosticism are statements of belief. They have nothing to do with faith. So I say that like, if you fully understand these definitions, there is no sane person who is a Gnostic theist. That would be a Christian that knows that they know that they know, because then you have no faith. So Gnostic means to know. So I don't have faith that the sun will come up tomorrow. I have knowledge that the sun will come up tomorrow because it's come up, you know, as long as I've been alive, it'll probably come up long after I'm dead. The sun will come up tomorrow, right? I know that. There's no faith required for that. Uh, to have faith in something, I have to lack knowledge, and therefore it requires belief. So to be Gnostic means to know, and to be agnostic means to not know. To be a theist means that you have a faith that's based on a theology. That means that you have the Bible, the Koran, the Torah, uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, whatever it is. You have some sort of theology, either written or verbally handed down for generations, that tells you what you are to believe. Most religions in the world are theist religions. And then we have an atheist. I lack belief in a god or gods. I have no belief in this thing. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm sure that I'm right. That would be a Gnostic atheist, which I find as insane as a Gnostic theist, right? Like, I know that I'm right. Well, you can't know. You can't know the unknowable. So, to me, atheists also have faith. But it simply means the lack of belief. It doesn't mean that there's no possibility of a god or gods or something greater. It just means you haven't shown me enough evidence to compel me to believe. And somewhere in this world, you have weird fucking people like me who call ourselves deists. And if you had comparative religion in college, you probably had this one two or two-sentence definition of it, and then they left it alone, which is wrong as shit, by the way, which is that we believe in, like, the same God the Christians do, except he's like a clockmaker God. He wound shit up and took off. Deists tend to say, I don't know what God is. I simply believe there's some sort of higher power, some sort of singularity of consciousness and knowledge that everything sort of revolves around, some sort of intelligence behind what's there. But I know that I don't know what it is. And again, then we take each one of those things, theist, deist, or atheist, and apply Gnostic. In other words, I'm insane, and I think I know God exists, or no God doesn't exist, or I be, you know, believe something higher exists. I know that. I can't know that. Or we say we're agnostic. I don't know, but I believe if that makes sense. And I think once you start the conversation there, you have a lot more peaceful disagreements than this, like, ranting and raving that usually goes on in this subject. Wait, you're not going to rant and rave tonight? Oh, we're all going to be raving. He's on tequila, (laughs) I'm on mead. Yeah, Yeah, I I I saw him, like, gugging the bottle, so here we go. The call's going to be into a a, a blade and bow in, like, five minutes from now. She's going to be like, I can't take (laughs) it. Where is my blade mode? It's here on my back porch, but. <laughs> yeah. No, so are you saying always... Gnostics are inherently insane? I think, well, Gnostics as to faith and religion. Well, mm-hmm. to religion, because I think, how can you have faith if you have knowledge? Faith requires the absence of knowledge. Like, do you have faith that you're talking to Jack Spirico right now, or do you know me so you know you're talking to Jack Spirico? Your, your statement that I'm speaking to Jack right now across Zoom requires absolutely no faith. You have enough knowledge in what's going on that you know this thing. Faith requires the absence of knowledge. So if you tell me you're a Christian and you know God exists and you understand what you say when you're saying that, you're saying to me you have no faith. How could you possibly need faith 
Now, if you say I have so much faith, I feel like I know, well, then I can understand that. But I think if you if you claim you know God does or does not exist, you have something like I think people they actually don't even when they say it, they don't believe it. They feel an obligation. And that's one of my actual problems with religion, that many religions require such a profession of faith as to state it as though you know it to be true. Um, Pete. Nicole, you came up in the Catholic Church, so I know you guys are well familiar with like the Apostles' Creed and things like that. Mm -hmm. Stating these things as though they are known rather than believed, that I think can convince somebody that they know. But I don't think you know. Well, that whole authority thing too. Yeah, and if you stand in authority, sorry, 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 Zay, go. If you stand in a place of authority and say, "I know this thing," and then you start speaking with you know compunction, and people are like, "Oh, that motherfucker knows some things." And they all start lining up and are like, yeah, you know, we're going to we're going to do what that person says. So there's a certain amount of like audacity that a a, 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 a pastor or any somebody, anybody who professes to, to know and, you know, bequeath upon the population. This is how it is. You know, there's a certain amount of audacity and people sort of just like what Pete was saying earlier, like they want they want that comfort of not being this sole creature floating around on a rock, spinning around at thousands of miles an hour on an ongoing nuclear explosion. Like there's too much chaos to just deal with reality as it is. So they have to create this like story that they can survive in and, and better that somebody else takes the responsibility for it than themselves. Right. I, I, I completely agree with that. There's some anchor there. Pete, you were saying, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have faith. I mean, I, I look for knowledge. I mean, that's, that's all right. my whole life has been about is I don't need to have faith if I'm just searching for knowledge to assume something ahead of time without, without the information, you know, and I, I said on a podcast, Vin and I did a podcast the other night where for about an hour and 20 minutes, we talked about our religious and, and spiritual experiences and psychedelic use and things like that. And, um, t- you know, tied it all in. And one of the things I said is that of all the prayer that I did in my life, I'd never, I never felt anything, but as soon as I learned how to meditate, it was almost like I became a a vessel that information could be downloaded into um, answers in my life, practical answers, and you know everything from like what I should do with my podcast to what I should write about to financial financial stuff comes to me in meditation things just in my life my personal life things come to me and it didn't happen until i just let all of that faith and garbage go and just said okay i want to know this and so give it to me and i get it all the time it happens it happens to me at least once a day it happens when i meditate and it also happens in the shower i get my best and you know vin vin talked about how it's the water it's like it's a rhythm how water is rhythmic, you know, that, yeah. that, that happens in spirit, in older beliefs and older ceremonies where you're, you know, and we talked about mantras too, because I can, um, sometimes I'll do a mantra when I'm meditating and that'll help too. So, and so water and like a shower can also be like repetitive and it can open things up. So. Would you say you're a Gnostic then in search of knowledge or in search of knowing? I call myself a, um, a practical mystic. That works too. But you every, believe in I'm not, right? I'm, yeah, I'm not searching for, like when I meditate, I don't want to know the wonders of the universe. I don't care to know that stuff. It's, it's interesting to me, but I don't, I don't care. Right. I want to know what I need right now. So it's like, it's practical for me. 
Yeah. So, like, before we started, I said, do we have anybody here that's an atheist? And everybody kind of looked at each other through the screen, like, are you going to say you are? And, like, no one said they were. So I'm, 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 ex- I'm expecting that no one here is an atheist. We all believe in something uh, one way or another. So I guess my question for the group then would be, why? Why do you believe in something? Because I haven't seen, I, I do too, and I haven't seen anything that conclusively proves it. And I'm a very logical person. I have my reasons, but I'm interested in what, what all three of you guys have to say about that. I would say being agnostic, meaning I am constantly searching or thinking about looking for proof of the thing. Uh, if you were to ask me if I'm theist or deist, deist, however you say that, I can waffle between, between those theism two and deism. That's because interesting. it's weird because I see that the positive manipulation of, of, of energy having positive inputs. I, I can't prove it except for more often than not, when people are putting positive things out, they appear to get positive things back. And is that a clock that was wound up and is just running that way? Is it by design or is there an intervention? And that's, but then I don't know what that is. I can't say it's, one god or another god. But if so you I'll, say, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap myself around that axle. What, if you say between theism and deism, what, what theology is pulling at you? Christianity or specifically Catholicism? Like, cause if you're, if you're just, I don't know this, that's, that's all, that, that's all in the realm of deism. But if you're pulled back to right. a root theology, then you're waffling. So and I'm not. That's the thing. It's, okay. You so know. you're not. Right. You're just a confused deist like all deists. Well, uh, right. But when I look, th- when I look at theology, it all looks, most of them look like the same religion to me. Okay. Like when, when you start peeling it back, I mean, there are some stark differences, but there's a lot of universal things across many religions that, that, that endure. And so is it just, they said it differently in that culture. Okay. And then we're going to fight with ourselves culture over culture when we primarily believe the same things about what it is to be human. And to be a, you know, a positive impact of fighting with each other is not a positive impact, by the way, but. Pete? Well, I've called myself a deist in the past, but it's, it's kind of, if I believe that I'm actually getting information about my life through meditation, then that's probably not of, that would be disingenuous. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, through psychedelics and stuff like that, I've just seen stuff that I didn't ask to see, you know, it wasn't like, um, I went with an, most of the time when you do psychedelics, you, you should go with an intention of something, you know, what do I want to learn from this? What do I, what am I doing here? And, like the second time that that I did LSD, um, I there were things that I saw that I experienced that just lead me to believe that it wasn't a figment of my imagination. It was things that existed, but that I had never considered before, and um, or even seen or studied before that, that I was shown. So I don't know if that means that there's a deity out there or if there's a a power and a force out there. But it leads me to believe that there's something beyond what the 
what our experience, what we can see in this space, what our eyes, what our sober eyes can see. And um, maybe there was a time, you know, I, I'm one of those people who believes that the human consciousness evolved because a tabula rasa man walked up and picked up a plant and ate it and started experiencing thoughts. I, I, that's where I think that a lot of that came from. And I also think that that's where the idea of God came from is that from experiencing plants and eating plants that they didn't know what they were eating, that they actually started talking to themselves in their own head and that they mistook that for something that was of another realm. Divine origin. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that there's, uh, from things that I've seen, from things I've experienced, it leads me to believe that there's something out there. There's something that's, um, I don't know. I wouldn't even say if it's running or if it's controlling everything, but that it's maybe it permeates us all. Richard Bach referred to it as the is rather than I am as it is from the book, but the is and just, it is. Mm Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Timeless nature of it. Hawk, do you, I mean, you believe in something. Why? Yeah. So I'm an odd duck. I died or I'm an odd goose. Let's say, um, I, my heart stopped for a couple minutes when I was 17 years old on a heroic dose of some experimental hallucinogen. Uh, we thought it was LSD, but it turned out not to be. Anyhow, um, I deconstructed identity and self and it took me six months to be able to have a conversation of rehab, basically. Um, and it was basically like taking a computer, wiping the hard drive and running a new operating system that I designed myself. So like imagine Linux on, on Hawk. Um, and my experience was that I continued existing and that I was no longer, you know, little Xavier. Um, I was actually a eternal soul and having this human experience and then science and understanding and comprehension and Realizing that I am clothed in the atoms of the sun and my consciousness comes from the sun. All the things that we are experiencing are a manifestation of the solar system. And so we are like little quarks or nuons or gluons in, in the experience of the atomic solar system. You know, it's all levels of magnification and that uh, there was a an part in men in black, which like at the end, you like the galaxy was in this little bead on the cat's necklace. And like you just layers and layers and layers. That was my experience and that it never ended and that it was it, it just eternal layers of different levels of magnification and that we are all cells inside the greater body of being and all of that. So it was a very direct experience of that. And so I ceased identifying as an ego or Xavier Hawk and started identifying as an eternal soul playing this character. Um, so I don't have this need to believe in a story around it. I have a direct experience of it, uh, that eternal nature and trying to encapsulate that into this tiny little, you know, 80 years of life that, that we have on this planet. Um, meanwhile, having like basically an immortal viewpoint. So, I don't need like the story. I don't need the, the religion. I don't need anybody to tell me how to behave. I'm having a direct experience with creation at this moment. Um, and I'm trying to parlay that to everybody else in a way that, that can be digestible or useful. Right. 
to help make more consciousness, awareness, and heaven-like experience. Beauty, passion, creativity, imagination, the symphony of creation, that kind of thing. So I don't have a why. It's like it was foisted upon me, sort of. It was like the cracking of the shell, and boom, there it is. And then trying well, to figure out. Your why is experience. Your why is personal experience with what you consider a connection to the divine. Yeah, like a, like what you call a Gnostic experience, whether you get it through hallucinogens or, you know, uh, like Jesus says, you know, you need to die to this life to really be reborn in Christ and all of that. It, it, it was like a direct experience of that. So that's my why, I would suppose. Mine is actually way more logical. I've actually had little bits of everything everybody talks about tonight as part of my walk and my formation of my view of what do I believe. But I always come at things very logically and scientifically, and science claims to have an explanation for why we're all here having this conversation tonight, how all these planets spin around this giant nuclear uh, fusion device, how protoplasm became a unicellular organism and evolved into us and had many permeations prior to it with different eras of dinosaurs and shit like that. And it all happened because, well, all this goo got together and the conditions were just right and spontaneously life generated from nothing. <clears throat> we call this the theory of abiogenesis. And when science claims to know something like this, and they say it's settled science, which I really have a hard time with that terminology, my response is always, show me. Show me. Right. Take the non-existence of life, don't strip out a yeast cell and put new yeast cell into it and say you made life. Take non-life. You have the ability to create any temperature you want, any amount of pressure you want. We can physically create diamonds out of coal in a laboratory. We have the ability to create temperatures hotter than the surface of the sun. We know every element, and we even know subatomic particles. We have all this information, and your claim is there was this puddle of shit and goo at, in, in, in the early stages of the Earth, and everything just came together perfectly right, like some weird easy-bake oven experiment done by accident, and poof, a unicellular organism came out of it, and all this came from that shit, without even going to the absolute perfect harmoni har harmonious music that is the physics of the universe. Just that alone, you can't do that. So to me, the preponderance of the evidence is something did it, that we can't explain, and that thing must have had some level of understanding or consciousness. This is where the watchmaker explanation actually comes into reality, the misunderstood watchmaker, in that if I see a watch, as complex as a watch is, I know somebody made the watch. The watch just manifests itself. And if you took every piece necessary to make a pocket watch and put it in a bag, and tuck a paint shaker and started shaking it, even though all the pieces are there, and you shook it for eternity, you would get dust. You right. would never get a watch. So how you're going to go, you can't get a watch by accident, and you're going to get an Xavier Hawk or a Nicole Sauce by accident. I believe that science has failed to give mm -hmm. a satisfactory explanation, and therefore by logic, I assume, and I don't know, I am agnostic to this, but I assume that something with intelligence... And that might be more like a pantheistic view, like we're all parts of God and God is just a, a Godhead somewhere or a, a panantheistic. We're like whatever God was, it exploded into the universe and destroyed itself in making what's here. I don't know, but the concept that all this shit happened by accident, just it sounds completely and totally 
asinine. It just yeah. it's just absurd. Yeah, like, it, it, it's unscientific. It's an unscientific claim. Like no scientist other than for global warming, right, or a vaccine would claim something to be true with so little evidence behind it. So here's a question. Do you organize the cells in your body into any functional uh, like order or no? No, like, right, exactly. So where does that come from? And so like if you're a cell or if you're a little, sorry, those little spirally things we call DNA. Right, but code, I'm right? not like but I, I exert a great deal of code. Yeah, I exert a great deal of will force on my body, and still I am not responsible for 99% of the shit that goes on in it. So it's like if if I were a tiny little organism in the cell in my body, living in this thing, I would say, oh, the great creator, you know, and it would be like Xavier Hawk. But Xavier Hawk doesn't have any fucking control over what's going on. There's something deeper. There's like a like a self organizing force. So what does oh. all this have to do with agorism? Well, fuck the church. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the original there we go. state, We just right? lost half our viewers. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the organization of the church, the pedophilia, the desire, the desire to control people's lives, like the idea of taking monarchs and all of these different, um, you know, kingdoms and organizing them under, under some kind of like global, you know, ideology. Like that's that's the definition of statism, the church. Not oh. Jesus church. On the huh? other hand, uh, some people are not ready to run their shit. It's true. And they find it helpful to participate in a community that guides them towards being good people. And that's not a bad thing, right? When we see what's happening with the masses being manipulated through communications and media and, you know, setting up a, a good cop, bad cop situation and everything that possibly can happen in the world so that it can cause their emotional reaction to control the population. A way out of that can be an organized religion that pushes back against it. See, but and, if they did and that's that, like the irony of it all to me. Right. But, but if the they truth- did that, then I, I would be like all on board with it. Cause like right. the basic golden rule is do unto others. Right. Which is kind of don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Well, doing onto others would be like, I would not do onto others to throw them in jail because they didn't put a cloth over their face. Right. So like right. If, if, if they actually followed stuff like that, because my big problem with religion is often religious patriots, right? And how they will use their religion to justify the abuses of the state, including the ones they disagree with. Like, I have a very good friend who's a fishing guide, and he always has to drag some religious crap into our conversations in the boat. And he always wants to talk about how, you know, the, the book says that God placed whoever's in charge in that position. And then my response is, so did that, did that apply to Tamar? Oh, Jesus. Tamar Lane for, for you know, or. Right. Because Tamer Lane was Hitler before Hitler, uh, way, way back. And then, you know, Hitler, like, does that mean that the people that were under Hitler should have just said, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. They, God put them there. So we a should lot of all just, did. like, should my, should my, I guess you'd call it my great father-in-law, my, my wife's grandfather not have smuggled Jews out of Europe in the underground? Should he have not done that because God placed Hitler in charge, nothing happened, or the whole render on a Caesar shit, like all that stuff is like they they justify what they despise. They they should oppose because they have this 
this cap of belief that like gives it, and I don't even think it's like an excuse. I think it, or maybe it is. It gives them an out. It gives Domestic them a way addiction. to offload this shit and say, well, I have to comply. Like it's just another, it's another binky to put in your mouth and comply with something <laughs> you know is wrong because, well, my pastor said or my priest said. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the, there's a, a debate in Christian circles about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whether he was a good man or whether he wasn't because he was a German, I want to say priest. Um, God, I'm forgetting where, where <laughs> he may have been Lutheran. I can't remember, but who organized against Hitler and they, I, I've actually heard Christians argue that to rise up and against Hitler would be against Romans 13. And I think it's first Peter two, but I can't remember, but Romans 13 is the most popular one where to submit to authority and everything like that. And it's like, it's so obviously inserted in there at a later date that it's just, I mean, just ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it's, and that's what you always, that's what I always go to when someone's like, well, the Bible says, you know, you have to submit to your authorities. And I'm like, good. So Hitler, that's good. Okay. And no one should have rose up against Hitler. They should have let him do, you know, all those Christians who invaded the beaches of Normandy. I mean, they're sinners and the ones who died, they went to hell. How do they feel about the United States? Authority at that point, because there's the other authority who doesn't want Hitler in power. And they were, you know, like, Push him back. But, but these people are patriots, against them. right? So, like, how, like, these people are always patriots, like American ones. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, say this shit. They're always like Uber America type patriots, right? Uh-huh. So, how do these people feel about 1776? Oh, right. Yeah, right. I, mean, I mean, come well, on. Like, so I mean, George Washington, right? No, no, King George, right? Well, what about That's the man himself, right? <laughs> What about the man himself? Jesus was like, fuck the state, fuck the Pharisees. Like, Jesus everybody said, don't take an oath. Don't yeah. pledge oath. I, I never yeah. saw those words in red, X. I, I never saw them. No, it was like, you know. <laughs> I really wish I did. Paraphrase, that would, right? it, yeah, yeah. No, it was Hawk 1745 or something like that. I, I, you know, I, <laughs> and, and the point is, is like the church was not set up to, to be a control mechanism. It was set up to be a means of self-liberation. Like, here's how we all behave with one another, understand that we're part of this greater symphony, and fucking be nice to each other, and don't play these games. I, I, I think you're wrong. I think the state, the, the church was absolutely set up to be a control mechanism. I think that was its purpose from the beginning. No, Jesus was not like, yo, I want to control everybody. Jesus was like... You, oh, you're talking... You, okay, the... the yeah. Your well, when, church. Yeah. Religion. All right, all right, when, all right. You're talking well, about yeah, the Christian when, church. I'm going back to the, the roots of the Jewish faith that became Christianity and Islam, was absolutely set up to control people. That was oh yeah, the, the, all, all three of them, right? The, the Abrahamic religions. They were like yeah. designed to make sure that again, it's like the original growing up apart, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We it's need to be it's, a it's a sin. It's a sin to eat pork because I mean, let's face it. If pork wasn't prepared or um, preserved in a proper way, it was going to kill people. Yep. So it started off, it started off with health and it's like, well, these people still aren't listening to me, even though I tell them it's going to make them sick or they're going to die. So God said it. I think that there's a little bit more to that too. I mean, the, the animal that is closest to us genetically are pigs. So in a sense, like if you go back to the, you know, I, I don't know what chapter it is, but like he cast demons into a pig. Right. Because the demons could house it. They have enough intelligence for that. Yeah, so but it like, doesn't say not to eat pigs. It says not to eat anything with a cloven hoof. 
Right. Yeah. The pig right, is just right. the tastiest thing that has one of those things, right? <laughs> yeah. I, that, I, would, that would include a horse, right? Yep. I mean, yeah. I don't know how the cow escaped all this because it seems like, but whatever. Well, what does cloven hoof mean exactly? Maybe I'm wrong about what cloven means, but a, yeah. a cow's hoof and a pig's hoof look, and a deer's hoof no, all look very cat, similar yeah. to me. Yeah, anyway. Pete, do you know what a cloven is? And maybe that's why I'm not understanding this. From what I understand, from what I understand, it's just what, I mean, when you look at a, um, when you, when you look at a pig's foot and I'm trying to think of another animal that has sim- similar, it's definitely not a, a goat. Um, uh, not really sure. Cause they do that. It, it, it splits into divided or split hoof. That's what I thought. Yeah. So okay. A cow is solid. A horse is solid. Yeah. But a, right. A, a, a pig is split, but so is a deer. So is a goat. Right. So if we're strict interpretationists, you know, of the constitution that is the Torah, we're not supposed <laughs> to eat anything with a split hoof. Huh. Somehow it just became pig somewhere down the line. And then somebody made a comment about Gentiles and I think first or second Peter. And then all of a sudden, uh, letting the Gentiles in meant you could eat pork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where all of this starts to fall apart for me. Yeah, there were ar- yeah there were arguments when because the the first Christians were Jews, they were still keeping the kosher laws, and then when the Gentiles came into the church, they obviously weren't keeping kosher laws. So there was all sorts of arguments back then. I mean, and you know what's funny is we're talking about what if you're talking about the Book of Acts, what. At the most, 10 years after Jesus, you know, after Jesus. So it's like, um, yeah, they were arguing about that back then. They were yeah. arguing, it's 10 years and they're arguing about it. And what are we supposed to do t- 2,000 years later? I-, I think we're supposed to move on with our lives. Learn ancient Greek. Because, I mean, I, I, I did to- that. It didn't help. <laughs> it didn't work? Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. I better. I, that means I don't need to. <laughs> I'm just going to trust Pete here. I, I just kind of want to tie this back into, like, how this affects us as anarchists and agorists, right? Like, I, we have a very good mutual fun, Nicole, uh, fun, mutual friend named Nick, right? And Nick is very libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes trees too, but he says he can't be an anarchist because he's a Christian. You know, so that's like the original vow or whatever. And like, I, I, I don't really agree with that because even within the Christian faith, belief and eventual servitude is voluntary. Like if you don't want to go to heaven in their own belief, like you don't have to. You can go to hell or whatever else that means. Like some believe that means eternal sleep and hell is actually death. Actually, real. Like but yeah. one way or another, like why does that prevent you from living your life on earth as an anarchist, not recognizing the illegitimate authority of the state, well, even does- if you recognize your voluntary servitude to your God. Does he believe you really have a choice, though? I don't know. I clearly do because I some told them all the Christians off, don't. So. In the Catholic Church, in theory, we're supposed to have that choice, right? Oh, yeah. We were talking about that before we got on, where you became confirmed and I chose not to. And you said yeah, it wasn't yeah. really a choice for you, even though no, it was it wasn't positioned a as a choice. So. Yeah. Uh, I wanted my, some, I wanted my some confirmation. Some religions mark. will actually say it's not a choice. It's predestined that you're going to act this way. I wanted my bar mitzvah money, but my parents wouldn't, my dad decided he didn't, the family wasn't going to be, his line was going to be Jewish anymore. So 
Is that why you tweeted love doesn't exist today? <laughs> oh, you saw that, huh? <laughs> well, the, well, love doesn't exist. Prove it exists. See, so, we love you. And you can't say we don't. I don't believe that. Therefore, love exists. <laughs> I don't know what that means. So you can reduce I've, You know it. what? I could say love exists. I've seen love exuded with one man being willing to risk his life and lay it down for another. And Is that, that love or training? That's not uh, – no, 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 no. No amount of training will, will make that happen because I've seen cowards. I've seen, right. I've seen Secret Service agents turn into – instinctively turn into bullets. Yeah, but that's that you can you can train that, but you also like you have times where people have time to think. And and they're not trained people. I've seen people who are not trained put everything on a line for someone else. You know what? You should do this, Pete. You should go explain to a mother holding her child <laughs> that love's not real and we'll just watch the manifestation of the love as she pulls your face off. That'll be great. Oh, so, <laughs> well, I could, appeal, I, could appeal, actually... I, I like the appeals to emotion. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I knew what I was doing. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. I, I think I could. Fallacy. I could see Pete's point in this. Like that, some of that could be reduced to biology and genetics. Um, instinctual, you know, like a mother's it's a chemical. It's a chemical reaction. Right. As far as we know, right now, it's a chemical reaction. But where do you place complete selfless acts? Completely selfless, like what Jack was saying about, you know, well, and, and, and just, just to, I do believe love exists. I just, I'm an asshole. So you know, <laughs> I have to do that every once in a while. Well, it struck me because it's a really good exercise. You should have admitted it yet though, because now it's a boring argument. Yeah. We were about we to, we know you're full of shit now. So oh, sorry. So, so what would happen? You guys are about to hammer were, me. <laughs> what, what would happen if you were to be tied down in a chair? Uh, and somebody were to beat you with a can, a cane, a bamboo cane, and you had to prove that, that love exists. You had to have a discussion, um, you know, e- explaining why love exists while you're getting beaten and, and in pain. Uh, I think it's an interesting exercise. It was something that somebody explained to me once that I thought. Well, and I think it would rely more on the person doing the beating, their interpretation of what you say than what I say. Mm-hmm. You should be, they're torturing you, so you're going to try to please your torturer. I think right. that's yeah. on there. That's right. Or like how long, but how long can you, you know, withstand that and truly believe? Like, would it, would it stand the test of that physical, uh, pain to, to, with threat of death? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. think I could make that argument. I think I could sit there and take that and be in pain and really, cause I really do believe love exists. I think that that a lot of what we think love is, is really just biology and chemicals and like training or whatever. But like at some fundamental core root, like what is love? Um, for me, well, it's like imagination being creative, being like, like the sun. It just gives, right? What, what we know about love is what we see the expressions of it as. Right. Hawk is saying at the end of this, he would still be screaming. There are four lights. <laughs> Nicole's like, what the fuck are they talking about? I only see three. <laughs> I saw well, multiples because there was two more on the little device, so I would have seen the six. So, uh, oh, where to go? Where to go after this? Jeez. Well, uh, so the church has really warped what the whole 
purpose of religion is, right? To, to liberate souls and to allow them a, a process of growth and evolution towards their higher being or their higher state of being and sort of corralled them mentally and spiritually and emotionally corralled and built a fence around the human experience and said, so long as you operate in these parameters, you're a good cow and you go to heaven. Agree or disagree? I thought, I thought we were going next, but okay. We were talking about cows again. Okay. <laughs> well, cow, um, I, I mean, I will say well, this, if you like, think about the Indian culture, cows are sacred. So Yeah, there is that. And, and Jews can only eat part of the cow. But not the yeah. other part. It has to be Quite blessed. Yeah. Right? You can't eat, yeah. can't eat the back end because of something with the Jacob and the wrestling with God. I don't and know. there is a difference, if you think about it, to a religious uh, theology and how it's executed by the people who do it. Right? Your intention with the theology was good, and then we got involved and power structures happened, and it's almost like what happens in the government. Yeah. Inherent weakness of human. Which, which then goes back to how does agorism work with, or anarchy work with religious fundamental beliefs. Nick might be right. Well, I have an opinion on that one. Um, was talking to Thaddeus Russell and Thaddeus Russell was saying that he seemed he was wondering why, like it seemed so many people at the Mises Institute were Catholics. And, he came to the conclusion that if people are going to make an argument that people can exist without a government, without central, without central planning, then they're going to have to appear to have a morality above and beyond the rest of society. And I thought that that was an interesting uh, take of his. And I don't agree with everything my, my friend says, but um, uh, we don't agree on everything. But I thought that that was an interesting take and that you could go in a lot of different directions with that. And it made it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense that if you're um, and that was all, it also seems to be something that hinged on, on the founding. You know, um, Vin was t- Vin and I have been doing a bunch of podcasts and he talked about how. The Declaration of Independence is just this magical document that's just based purely on magic and is no, is not based in fact at all because we say we hold these truths to be self-evident. We have these inherent rights. And why do we have these inherent rights? Creator. And that's the only excuse they give. They say creator. Okay. So we hold these truths to be, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We're going to be breaking away from you guys. Fuck you. That guy said it's okay. And that's the only justification that they gave for it. So it's basically magic. It's basically the founding of the, of the government was on magic. Hey, why didn't his bald ass stay with us instead yeah, of running really off and one. saying because, we're going to be mystical? Cause I'd love to challenge him on this because my view is that our founders were largely deist, not all, but largely even Washington. I think that's a, was, I think it's a myth. No, it's not. Even who uh, books Washington, have been written about it. It's a myth. Washington was supposedly uh, in the Lutheran Church, right? But like his final words were "tis well." It, it had nothing to do with God, right? Um, Paine was definitely a deist. Uh, Franklin, by his own admission, was a deist. Jefferson, we're not sure. I mean, we, we don't know. We have to be agnostic to that. Um, 
But I think that the word, the wording used in the declaration was purposefully as universal as possible. So they didn't say God, certainly didn't say the Christian God, right? They didn't say Lord of Lords or King of Kings. It's a creator, which leaves this open to any and all means by which man is created. So we have these rights through our creation as individuals. It doesn't matter how that happened. That's how I read those words. If you believe that God took dust and crapped it together and made Adam and yanked a, a rib out and made Eve, fine. If you believe that protoplasm came up out of a pool, if you believe some sort of intelligence cobbled together this thing, no matter how we got here, through our creation, we have these rights as individuals. That's how I read that. And I defy anybody to prove to me the creator mentioned in there is any specific theist version of God, because there's no evidence of that. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one person, one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to the to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them a decent respect to opinions of mankind requires them. They shall do. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are these, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, so who, so who back then, who back then was talking about man craw- crawling out of the primordial loose? Does it matter? Who's They're not it? talking about science and primordial ooze. They're talking about this, this eternal experience that we have in the, in these bodies and that inherently we are free to determine our own destinies. Um, and if you recall, first of all, think about the term nature's God, right? Just think, think about that. Like, the words of the declaration were chosen very, very carefully. Like this was gone over in a little room with uh, Franklin and Adams and Jefferson over and over again. Every word was precisely chosen. If you're talking about the God that everybody understands, the God of the Bible, because everybody's a Christian according to uh, myth- mythological lore here, why throw that word in? Why throw, why throw the word nature in? Doesn't, does, does natural law, natural law, a lot of the founders, uh, so a lot of the founders were Masons. Somebody just brought this up in the YouTube chat and it's true that they were Masons and that the Mason, the Masonic, uh, the underpinnings of Masonry are not Christian. They are in a little bit of like what I was kind of explaining earlier, direct experience. Uh, the fact that there is a creator of some sort and that we are inherently in that image and we too can ascend to that creatorship of like, like Rick and Morty, like Rick from Rick and Morty, where he creates his own little pocket dimension that runs his, his little vehicle. Like he is technically their creator, right? But like, yeah. you know, so like we're, we're not talking about like a benevolent whatever. We're just talking about that which we are a product of or within or has created us. So that being said, like, those creatures in his little pocket dimension that ran his car were free to the boundaries that they were able to attain. Right. And so what the United States founders did, they were like, we have bigger boundaries than what the King is saying. And we think that we should go and attain those. And it's not up to that motherfucker over there to tell us whether we can do this or not. And that right of ours is inherent in our being here. So whether it's like Jesus or Buddha or like God creator, it's just, a function of language to be able to say 
I exist and I have free will to the degree that I am able to exercise it. And I'm going to exercise that motherfucker. So, like, I'm not saying that Vin through Pete is totally wrong in that the founders didn't know what they were doing in invoking huh. God. That the person that was a pig farmer in Massachusetts that totally believed the Bible wouldn't be like, hey, he's talking about me. What I'm saying is the words were chosen so precisely that anybody who wasn't an atheist right. would have said, hey, he's talking about me. Yeah. Like, so is it propaganda or did they believe it? I don't know, but there's nothing in the Declaration of Independence that specifies any specific version of what creation or creator means. In fact, the word nature specifically pulls it away from specification. Right. It, it, it drags it away. And, and my understanding of reading like the memoirs of Jefferson and Adams is that These words were agonized over, mm -hmm. like, every single word was like, do we include this? Do we change this? Do we pull this out? Um, Franklin largely says nothing of it, but, but uh, Adams and Jefferson are very clear that this was like angst, like, this has to be right. This has to be. Last for generations and generations. It has to be bigger than the United States. It has to be something if somebody reads this in France or something. Yeah nation they find tomorrow that we don't even know about like it has to feel like even if we don't give a shit it has to feel to them like we we're including them so i i don't see this whole christian god in our but is the word when did when did i when did i ever christian say god? christian god he said magic he said dude like how do you know it's even a dude it doesn't even <laughs> when did i say dude you did you said this dude over there gave us the power well we, I'm, i was speaking i was speaking now You, you but I was had poetic license for that. Jack, you're drunk. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's you know, he's tripping on Heather Flower right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I'm saying, but I guarantee, you, if anybody listening, re yeah, rewind. Yeah, and, and I did say that. Okay. Yeah, okay. And I did say that, but I was I wasn't being specific. I was I was just speaking out of hand. Yeah. I mean, that's how one person could have one person could have interpreted it. A Jew could have uh, said, "Their God, a." A friggin' Wiccan, if they existed at that time, could it, it could have been their deity, but that's the way it was. That's what it was written for. It wasn't written when when that term creator is in there. It's what is it? it, it somebody who was. It's magic. You know, in, yeah, it's fucking magic. So yeah, I get it. Of your argument that they stutter while repeating it back to you, telling you that, the, that you're wrong. Cool. You are literally repeating my argument I just made. And if you want to know why Ben's not on this show, you just proved it. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. What time is it? 9.30? No, it's uh, 8.30. It's 8 oh, I guess 9.30 Xavier yeah. time. Yeah. So the creator that inspired the United States um, was magic. <laughs> I think that uh I think you guys were both coming to this to the same point here and I think that that was that the idea of inspiration from outside is that basic faith that people look for and need because they themselves don't have enough information to actually, you know, I identify all things. So mm -hmm. they need to they need to like rely on some bigger greater organization of creation some some structure to it that gives them agency to self-determine. 
you know? I don't know. I just got to say something here. Like, I guess I offended him and I don't know I how. Guess. I, I don't know if you did or did not offend him. Um, it, we would have to ask. I know he had to leave at 830. Yeah. Um, and you may have also offended him by talking um, animatedly over him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we'd offend people. I didn't think it would be each other. Yeah. But um, hopefully we'll chill that out. Let's get back to the topic <laughs> yeah, of yeah. spirituality. So um, we haven't done a very good job of segueing from what is this spirituality into what does it mean for anarchism or a- or uh, atheism or, or agorism. It's all those A words, man. <laughs> and I, when I came into this topic, I was wondering, because somebody said, can, can agorism work without spirituality? Or do you need to have a moral foundation? And does that come through spirituality for agorism to work? Or religion is like, is yeah. morality dictated by an outside set of rules? And do you trust yourself to be a moral being? Because agorism is about, I trust myself, my skills, my abilities, my know-how to make my way in the world, and I don't need a state to take care of me. And so it's the same at a fundamental, like, religious or spiritual level. Like, mm-hmm. do I need a God or a storybook to to ascribe my life by or live my life by? Or can I trust my inherent direct experience with creation enough to know that I'm self-determination? Like I'm able to self-determine properly and that will lead me somewhere good. Cause I think that's the inherent fear is that people don't know that they're going to lead themselves to somewhere good. They'll make stupid decisions. They'll make mistakes. They don't know enough. And so they have to have some sort of faith that they are headed somewhere good in the grand scheme of the symphony is my take on it. So I think it's inherent to agorists who truly want to be free to have, have that. Now, if the church is important because of community we need to organize with one another and love and feel experiences together. And that's that, you know, that, that was the original pro- point while, why churches and religion were good, right? So I, I think there's two ways to take this question. Like, so do we need to be spiritual to be decent? Agorist? I right. think you can be, I think just like you can be a shitbag Christian or a shitbag I don't know, uh, Buddhist. I guess I, I've never met one, but you could be that. You could be a shitbag agorist, right? You could believe in free markets and all that, but you could be a real douchebag about the way you go about doing it. And our hope is that people would follow the non-aggression principle in practicing agorism or anarchism or what have you. And that would require some morality. So I think the real question to me then is, can you be moral and a complete atheist or absent spirituality? And I think you can. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it's required that you believe in a higher power or God to be moral. I know some people who are atheists. I disagree with them. I think there is something beyond this, but I would not describe them as immoral people. So I think that what's required for a stateless society to exist is a morality that's not enforced. 
And whether it's not enforced by a state or not enforced by a religion or not enforced by some sort of mystical belief, I don't think that matters. Like, I can't say that my mystical belief is any better than anybody else's mystical belief. Right. In the end, I just simply think taking your stuff is wrong. I think hurting you is wrong. <clears throat> well, I think if if your core premise is what I do is my choice and I take responsibility for that, Built into that is what you do is your choice. So if you come to an agorist community and you believe in the Lord, our Savior, that's all you. Right? Oh, I love it. I love that people are very Christian and very much yeah. into the doctrine and very much into that that storybook sort of encapsulation so long as they're actually living by it. it. Cause it really doesn't matter what lampshade you put on the light. So long as you are doing the light and actually being the light, that's what's really inherent and important. It, again, it's like the direct experience of it. So I've, I've known some Catholics who are very open minded, beautiful, caring people living very Christ like, right? The actual Christ like experience that they're having. And then I've known uh, other ones who are like, total douchebags and like are just it on the surface socially because they're they're thinking like animals and how they can get higher station in the world and all of this other stuff so it, it's really about the inherent direct experience of it and how quality of a human you are not necessarily by like your morality but the experience of expressing love exper expressing the symphony in in whatever beautiful way that you have as an individual I actually have a blog that a lot of people don't know about called moderndeist.org. I actually Whoa. did 10 episodes of a podcast on deism there. And I wrote a lot of articles over quite a number of years going back to 2013. And I have three articles that I think are pretty interesting in, in this question. Uh, the first is called, where does morality come from? And when I started doing this as Xavier pounds the tequila, um, I actually got a very, very angry email. As though I owed them an explanation. Like if you say you don't believe in my version of God, then where does morality come from? And then somebody who actually listens to my main podcast chimed in on that and said, could morality be written into the code of creation? So I should have two articles. One's called is morality written to the code of creation part one and part two. And I, I find this very interesting. And one of the stories that I relate into these articles is, Totally not related to humans. And this is a verified story. I read this like in, in grade school. And then before I wrote this article, like researched it to make sure it's true. There was this aquarium where they had this pilot whale, one of the first pilot whales they ever kept in captivity. And they stuck it in with a bunch of dolphins. And it mm -hmm. was a dick. It violated Nicole's rule. Don't be a dick. Right. And it like was a Important dick to rule. all the dolphins constantly. So it clearly didn't follow the non-aggression principle. It was an asshole. And the aquarium people got this idea. The pilot whale was much bigger than a dolphin's, which made it able to be a dick. It also made it vulnerable to shallow water. So they drained the aquarium to about three feet. And the dolphins could swim around and jump and play and be dolphins. And the pilot whale was screwed, right? The pilot whale is like beached in the middle of the aquarium, back out of the water. It's not going to die, but right. it's panicking. And it's making its whale, you know, like it's freaking the fuck out, like, Holy shit, this sucks. Mm -hmm. So the dolphins now have the advantage. They could 
fuck with the pilot whale because the pilot whale was a dick and it deserves it. But they didn't. And I don't know what language pilot whales speak and dolphins speak, but I assume it's not the same. Right. But the dolphins actually started to comfort the whale. Like they come up and they like nuzzle and they make these soothing sounds. And like, even if you speak a different language, if somebody's going, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel this, you know this. And they did this for a while. They let the whale like calm down. They put the water back in the tank and the whale having this big giant brain bigger than ours stopping a dick. Yeah. This is not just morality. This is ethics. And a transfer right. of ethics. Right. Now, I, I'm pretty sure the dolphins and the whale aren't reading the Bible or any other book. Right. And to me, like this gets, like, it sounds weird, but it gets to the crux of the question. Like, does our morality come from God? Well, maybe it does, but it, that doesn't mean it comes from religion or faith. Right. I doubt these, these, these swimming beings that are awesome have much faith. I, I, I doubt that when they're making little clicks and clacks to each other, they're telling the story of the, maybe I'm wrong, you know, but I don't think they're telling the story of the, <laughs> the dolphin the god that came and sacrificed itself, right? right? I think they just have this as living being thinking creatures, this yeah. idea that like harmony, we could hurt this being, but we're not going to compassion, love. Like, yes, that's a demonstration of the fact that it is inherent in existence. I mean, we, it's surprising to me how much humans are surprised by how compassionate and sentient all the other species are on the planet. Like we have, I think it's maybe the, the, the advent of the internet and being able to study these and more eyes on it, sort of, so to speak. But like, I remember when I was a kid, nobody thought, you know, animals had sentience or compassion right. or understanding, but now like we're realizing that everything fucking does. So where does that come from? You know, and like the, the cheetah that kills a monkey and then realize it has a, that monkey has a baby and then raises that baby. Like, why would it raise that baby? You know, unless it had that inherent cooperative love of creation, that harmony, you know, and it's almost like just music, right? Like harmony and discord pain, you know, is, is, is like the discordant off notes and like the thing just doesn't sound good. And then when it sounds good, everybody feels good. Everybody treats each other with respect. The more you understand about creation, the more you just inherently love and feel gratitude for, for the experience itself and those around you, you know, little kids have a direct experience of reality. More so than we do as grownups right. who are like, oh, we've got to do this and this and this is who I am and like all of this other bullshit. And they're just like loving and like they see somebody in pain and they'd want to stop that pain. Right. So it's like our our inherent nature, natural law, if you will, is cooperation, harmony, balance. But it's this separateness in our in the prison of our senses and the fear of death that is unresolved in fucking everybody that causes them to try to take more, keep, you know, get more, get one over on the other. And that's what causes all the, the pain and discord. It's like that, that egoic separation that needs to be managed with something like a religion. And I'm not sure we're where as a society that all of us are quite ready to not have the religion. I'm that's kind of where I'm at. I agree. But the religion, yeah. you know, if any, if there is one, it should be designed to lead just like college, you know, courses or educational courses to lead to an individual who's strong, capable. And but it's not set up that way for a reason, because people like that need to be reasoned with and you need to spend time and actually care about them to get them to do a certain thing that you would think would be better for everybody. 
Whereas instead, if you just have docile, domesticated cows, two-legged bovines, essentially, like then you can get them to do whatever you want, so long as you keep them stupid. And that's what's wrong with religion and the church. I mean, isn't the the essence of the root of the church, if we're Nicole and I being Catholic, going back to that, a state of itself and it's in of itself? Yeah, exactly. Have the yeah. power of the state, like that was their whole goal, was to become. Yes. I mean, to yep. the point that Vatican City today is still a nation. Yep. To overtake the monarchies and, and create another layer of, you know, domination, essentially. That's why there's a couple bishops on the side of the king and the queen on a chessboard. <clears throat> yeah. That's it. And so the question becomes, is it a bad idea to do that yet again? Because it's time to push back on something that's becoming horrific. Oh, there's so much horrible stuff that goes on. Did you see that the the Pope's audience chamber is shaped like a huge reptile, like a huge snake head? The whole way that the building, the whole room is shaped like a snake head with the teeth, you know, snout. When you're in there, the serpent's eating you? Yeah, basically. Like you're in the in the skull of the serpent. It's crazy. I did not see that. I I can't comment on that because I don't know if that's valid or not. And I love snakes, so I... I mean, no reason to uh, doubt Hawk, but you don't actually know because you haven't. But I don't doubt him. That's the thing. It's like it's probably true, but (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to run my mouth about it, not knowing if, not only not knowing if it's true, but not knowing the context in which it was created. Was it? Yeah, valid herpetologist. You know, some ancient artist, or was it intended to be a snake, or is it coincidence? Well, I mean, I just say that because we're we're doing this podcast about empowering people to take control of their lives and participate voluntarily in the Agora, right? Mm-hmm. And to talk about some tact like practical steps you can take. Yeah. Which, if done wrong, can set the foundation to create the Agora Church, right? Right. And it becomes like the Catholic Church, and it becomes this whole organized, mechanized thing that eats its own tail which well, is what we do to ourselves when we when we make those structures i don't know why we're so into as a species creating these structures of control but we are and then we eat our our own people well i think and, that and it that's started, negative totally i think it started as a solution but like every solution yeah. eventually becomes a problem right like they the problem was dysentery and bad water so they were like, how do we clean the water system? So, okay, let's add chlorine. So they add chlorine and boom, no more dysentery, no more, you know, waterborne illnesses. But then it de- degrades the body, you know? So it's like every solution gives us enough time to figure out the problem to the next solution or the next solution to the next problem. And like the United States government was set up as a great solution for tyranny and it worked for like 200 and some years. And now we're coming to a point where it's like, okay, we have to figure out the next thing because it itself has, you know, suffered from entropy and is corrupt. Same with the church, you know, like let's teach humans how to be civil with one another instead of, you know, raping, murdering and destroying them. So, and it, and it worked and then it becomes corrupt. And, you know, all of these systems need, you know, the next measure in the song, right? And it gives us enough time to figure out what that next structure looks like because again, floating around on a giant unstable rock around an ongoing nuclear explosion is too chaotic to operate, <laughs> you know? But that's actually a good point. So, like, is that a metaphor for the entire concept tonight of religion and the church and what have you? A solution to a problem and then being clinged to when it's time to move to the next level. Because 
what I find is most of these situations is there are people like us that aren't quite like us because we're always like, well, what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. Right? What's the next thing? You have people that are like us in that they won't just sit around and go, well, this sucks. Right. They will adapt. They'll be like, okay, so how do I make the best out of what is? Like right. COVID shit's going on, so I'll sell masks. I think masks are stupid, but if 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 people will buy masks, I shall sell masks. Right? Okay, right. fine. But if you go selling masks for a long time, you make a lot of money selling masks. You have yeah. a whole division cranking out masks at that point even if you thought masks were stupid do you want the mask mandate to go away no and then expand that out boom you just nailed it any of these world orders that come into place you know um any of these de facto standards that come into place eventually you'll end up with people becoming very very wealthy off these de facto standards whether they're religious And you're Joel Alstein explaining why you need to have an airplane and why God said that you should donate money so I can have an airplane. Or oil and coal. Or whether you're making masks or vaccines or anything else, no matter what it is. And in every permutation of this throughout history, and I wish CJ was here for this, you can go back and look and you can see this merchant class that rose up around it. And the average merchant, I think, is like when the next thing comes, they're like Nicole or Hawk or me or Pete or anybody else in this group. We'll go to that next thing. Then you have these people that are like, I don't I like want to my go way. I like this the way that it is. And they fight to keep it like the people in the Matrix, right? I'm going to drink the blue pill, and I'm not going to let go of this. Yep, yep. And that's that's essentially the establishment, right? Like we've got oil, and we're we're running our entire planet off of blowing shit up. Like, that, I'm sorry, there's just better ways no, to do you're things. not wrong. <laughs> right? Like, you're and... It, but the oil and gas companies are so established and the entire economy revolves around them in such a big way. And arms fucking war is such a racket that it, it like to take those out, like millions of people would lose jobs. The, it, like it would be very difficult. So there has to be intelligent social engineering and social design. And it has to be done by people who are truly selfless. You know, they're like, saying that sure, we should water the plants with water. And so not Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> Think of how many people will lose their jobs at the Brondo factory if we stop watering the plants with Brondo. Ass. I, yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm, I, I just think that there needs to be a transition of some way because, like, to kick all those people. Like, for me, I'm fine with that, right? Like, let's all go to solar. Let's all go to renewables. Let's all go to the fucking hidden technologies that they do have <clears throat> and, and, and make that available. So we stop polluting the planet. We stop destroying shit. Um, yeah. Well, but there's, the, there's an element of the net. I mean, in the energy world, they're trying to make what is a decentralized solution centralized, right? Yeah. Nobody wants when, to lose control because they're. You afraid. look at that and that's, it's like control of what though? The raging ball of lava flowing around the, the ongoing nuclear. Do they explode? really have control of that? No, but the, no. but that's the inherent fear of a human ego is that I'm going to die. I need to yeah. control the, the system around me so that I, I don't, right? Instead of, you know, dancing with what is and having that, that, that faith that we talked about at the very beginning. Oh, so we, we just circled back to the is, Jack. 
Yeah. Yes. That, that might be a good place to list. land. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Why don't so, we all end with like some suggestions of where people can go from here in their journey with spirituality? And and I'm not going Byron.com. P H I <laughs> so y'all have to answer speaking that. of world domination exactly <laughs> so the idea behind Phyron is that it's like a, a, a system where humanity can develop self-organized together all everybody working together to steer spaceship earth instead of tyrannical global governments or whatever um around a cooperative central bank so and, and i I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I do this thing baseline and it's, it's like 140 seconds of fun news. And I end it with some spirituality at each news segment. And, um, I, I really believe like there is a way in an agorist style to really, you know, help people develop their spirit, their understanding of life, their direct experience of reality. Well, I'll get all weird on y'all here where people can go. I think you need to realize that. Developing this is important and learning to analyze and critically question things is important. Mm-hmm. But developing this, which is for me, my spirit, I'm pointing to my heart for those on the, I pointed to my head first. I'm at my heart for those on the podcast also takes work, right? You need to take care of your physical being, your mental being, your spiritual being and seek a bigger, um, a, well, a growth really. And is there a practical way to do that? Sure, you can sit down and make time for it and meditate and take steps and talk to people and analyze things. But I think the key thing is make time and space for it and then understand and accept that everybody's in a different place on their journey. Yeah. And and you telling them you're in the wrong place and pointing your finger at them is not what helps them move forward on their journey. You need to give them a hand up. So the best thing you can do is find ways and actively seek ways to give people a hand up. That's what mm-hmm. I do. So I want to kind of give people a place they can go if they're here, if they're in this place of, I, I believe something, but I don't know what I believe. Um, one would be an author who uh, passed away a few years ago named James Cavanaugh, mm-hmm. who was a po- poet laureate to U.S. and a pretty amazing guy. He was a Catholic priest. Who walked away from his uh, his uh, his priesthood and uh, left the church? And he has two books that I think are really great books. One is a poetry book, and it's called uh, "Men Too Gentle to Live Among Wolves." It, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and it's it it was something I read a lot as a very very young person who had left the church trying to kind of figure shit out, right? Like, how do I replace this emptiness in me? So if you're past that. I don't know. It might be cool poems, but it's probably not for you. Um, then there is a book called God Lives. And it's it's more of a book book, autobiographical uh, combined with thoughts. I don't know what you call that as a thing. But basically, so I'm a I mean, think about going through seminary and being a priest, like how much you have to believe to do all that. And then to one day say. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Like that has to lead to a lot of questions. And like many people, because I think deism has, like in my experience in meeting other deists, most of them come from the Catholic church. 
there's so much faith that you gain from that. And then you're like, but I don't believe this, but I believe something. And mm-hmm. that book is really about filling in that void. And then we mentioned the is. So the stuff by Richard Bach, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Oh, I was just about to say that. Yes. yes. Right. Those books, like those three books by. You don't by, go to heaven unless you read Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Yeah, you're done. You can't go. <laughs> Come on you don't now. know how to get there, right? Like, exactly. So JLS, Illusions, and One by Richard yes. Bach. Like those books to me allow you to start exploring this conflict that many of us feel when we leave the church because I, I don't want people to think like, Jack was just like, screw that. I'm done. Like when I, when I walked away from that as a kid, I was a teenager. It was not easy. It was not simple to grow up with that much faith crammed into you to grow up programmed with that from the beginning. And then to say, I don't believe this anymore. Right. That's not easy. And it's like, I thought something we might get into tonight is like, are you programming your children? Are you indoctrinating your children if you raise them in the church? And I, I have to say, I don't know that you are because it was done to me and I walked away and I know adult converts and I don't understand. I don't understand a person that was never part of a faith that at like 35 is like, okay, I believe this mythology. I, yep. Doesn't well, mean I don't respect that where person. Where did they though. start though? Many of them started with, I don't believe shit. Yeah. Right. That's they why they ended up there. Cause then they were like, well, there is something. And if they had firmly not believed there was shit and then there was something, <laughs> then they found the thing there was. Dude, it takes yeah. a great like deal. It's like a rubber band. It takes a great deal of intestinal fortitude to walk away from the herd of humanity and walk away from groups or ideologies and, and be in the wilderness and not know, right? It take, oh. you have to really like have faith to do that. And whether you define that as anything like, you need to be, you need to have faith in yourself to be able to do something like that. So I mean, if, a few thousand people listen to this every week, so we probably pissed half of them off. Let's piss the rest of them off. Like, um, in a weird way, and this is going to sound so insensitive. I think it's a lot like coming out and being gay. And I don't mean coming out and being gay in 2020. I mean, like coming out and being gay in 1985, right? Like, right. And if you think back to 1985, if you came to your family and said, male or female, I'm gay. Boom. And I'm going to have this life where I have a gay partner in my life. I'm going to be gay married, you know. Um, man, that was oof, right. rough. But I'm going to tell you, if you were in my family and you'd come out as an atheist, or I'm conver- I don't care if you were converting to Judaism or Hinduism or Buddhism or just a deist, like, I mean, they literally I had ants that literally every time they saw me, they said, we're praying for you to be a priest. Oh, man. I'm talking I'm like 12 years old. <laughs> You're going to see your aunt or your great aunt. And she's like, we're praying for you. And you know what praying means to them. Right. Be a priest. Like, And it was like, if you have a priest in the family, you have like an inside man. Yeah. It was like going to get you in. Like, even if you deserve to go to purgatory for like 25 years, I'll get like 24 of those like scraped <laughs> off for you. Like, oh, come on. that's how this, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I know. And like, imagine throwing that at a 12 year old that understands what you're throwing at him. Like, it was not easy for me to go. I, I remember like, to be blunt, some of my first sexual experiences during them going, this can't be wrong. Like, right. when 
19 doing that. You shouldn't be even worried. Right. Like, as long as you've done the thing to make sure you're not making babies, you should be good. And like, no, I was thinking like, this can't be wrong. And like that programming was still in my head. And, and to me, like, that's the bad side of all this. Like we started out with the good. That's the bad. Like there's a programming that's deep and it's yeah. hard to let go of. And I, I know it's going to sound bad. I just caution parents think if what you believe is right. And if your child is destined to believe it, you don't have to push it on them. You, live you should example. live by example. Like what you've talked about before in terms of entrepreneurialism and agorism, like, if you believe that this reality is structured that way and that you're supposed to live this way, then fucking live that way and don't force it on anybody. Lead it by example. Be such a shining beacon of fucking truth and beauty that people want to be like you. That's that your kids look at you and say, wow, I really love my parents because I they're I think incredible. Mama Sauce is an agorist because she didn't force it on us. Like, it was not hard yeah. for me to leave the Catholic Church. Same, same. She was just like... This is, you know, up until a certain age, you're going and you're doing CCD and all that stuff. I didn't get put in a Catholic school. And then it's your choice. Yeah. I have to say for all the shit I could say about my parents, they never pushed it on me. It was the extended yeah. family. Oh, I see. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't ever get, I was very lucky in that regard. It was definitely the extended family. Yeah. Yeah. My, itself. Both my parents share were, personal stories, but <laughs> yeah, both parents were Catholic, but they were, it's it, it wasn't a thing they didn't it's almost like they were the first generation of like not really walking away just sort of like okay cool we're not really gonna do any of this but you know <laughs> you know and so when we grew up uh it wasn't we went to church i went to sunday school did all of that stuff but after 17 it was like i have a direct experience with the sun the moon the earth i feel all of these things and i i i my days of worship are the solstices, the equinoxes and new and full moons, you know, and I extend, I, I go into a meditation or whatever and I extend and experience those things. I don't, um, I don't need like, you know, Jesus wearing Santa clothes to feel connected. I just say those, those days are important to me and all of the things in the pagan faiths and in one of our backdoor chats when we were uh, getting ready to do this, you mentioned paganism. I don't consider myself a pagan, but I have incredible Same. reverence for paganism because it acknowledges these natural cycles. I hate the word paganism because it invokes all of these ideas, but, but like, it, yeah, it's like all of my relations, like you, the, the, the birds, the animals, like they are sentient. You can communicate with them. You, like they are like you have dogs, right? You have pets. You know that they're intelligent. Everything is, we just don't pay attention to it because we're lost in our stories and we're not having a direct experience of reality. If we did, you know, we wouldn't, we'd have that dolphin experience where we would just take care of each other and want to make things good. You know, the, the, like the idea behind hippies, right? Um, minus the dirtiness. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you he raise vegetables. Like, you know like how you get dirty and... out there in the fields. Yeah. It's <laughs> all like dirtiness. <laughs> like, come on. Dude, I love putting on mud and running around in the woods. Like that. Yeah, there you go. That's Perfect. not how you look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you just put the lotion on so you didn't get sprayed with the hose again. That's how you looked right there. <laughs> okay, so he has the Rona. I we're did. right at nine yeah. o'clock. Any last parting thoughts before we hit it? 
Maybe we go around and what would you advise people to do after this crazy ass night we just gave them? Stay away from clover. I mean, uh, Heather flowers in your mead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, just assess how you build spirituality into your life and, and make room for it. That's it. That's all I would say. Don't get twisted around the axle though on this or that, this or that, this or that, because people yeah. do. And that's like my biggest spiritual experiences were when I realized I was going to die in my twenties and that became a big terrifying thing. And I went like through five different religions trying to find God and none of that mattered yeah. at the end of it. I was like, I'm still going to die. And once I embraced that, I was freed from the fear yeah. and I was able to pursue other things. Yeah. I would say, uh, the most important thing is to remember that everybody's got a lampshade on their light and it's curtains or lace or whatever. There's, you know, Christianity, Judaism, Muslim, Hebrew, Hindu, all of these different religions. And those are all the lampshades, but the truth is the light and the light is eternal and it is what you are made of, right? And that when you can find that and get over your fear of death, find your true nature, your true eternal nature. And I had the benefit of, of having my heart stop to do that. So whether it's a benefit or not, but it, it forced me into it. And knowing that it gives you the freedom to really look around and make choices for yourself in a way that makes you feel alive and leads you to that state of being where you feel joyous, compassionate, gratitude and in harmony with the great symphony creation. I I think my biggest advice would be whatever you're attached to be willing, to let go of it. Yeah. Um, I don't talk about this a lot, but I was deeply ingrained in the Christianity. Um, not necessarily through Catholicism. Like after I met my wife and all. I was actually a lay minister, and I won't even go to the faith, but in a major uh, revealed religion. Mm-hmm. And getting to a point where I had to go, can't do this anymore. I can memorize all this shit. I can tell people all this shit. I can even actually positively impact people's lives by telling them what they need to do and attaching it to what they want to hear. In other words, they didn't want to hear, you need to cease this behavior Right. They knew they needed to, but I could attach it to a thing that they liked. Yeah. This, this verse and this thing and the book says you're supposed to do this. That's how it relates to this. And you need to stop doing that. Like, even though I could do good with it, it was not authentic. It was not who I was. And if, if you really believe in what you believe, stay there. I have no desire to take anybody's faith away from anybody, but if, Everything in your being tells you this is not reality, whatever it is, whether it's in this direction or that direction or up or down, left or right, no matter where it leads you, follow the truth within you. Because I believe that's what God really is in the end. God is the truth within us. And I can say something and Xavier will take it one way. Nicole will take it another. The people listening to us. A couple thousand people take it a couple thousand different ways. Same words, same inflection, same tone. Now put it in a book, it's text. The lowest form of communication. Can't be wrong, but you can't hear that I was joking. 
You can't hear that I was playing with you. You don't know that I, I see you as an equal, so I'll be harder on you. Or I see you as kind of weak, so I'll be easier on you. You can't know any of those nuances in text. And then we're going to base a faith on it. Like you really have to say, wherever I am in my walk, if I believe whatever this faith told me with this text, it understood that. It knew that I would evolve as a being. And I would understand it differently day by day by day and trust yourself. And I know some people might be really triggered by that because they, that's the devil. Okay. If that's what you believe, stick there. Believe that, but let go of what it means to other people because they're going to believe what they're going to believe anyway and give yourself permission to believe that what you're going to believe. Yeah. Okay. On that note, if you want to keep this conversation going or talk about other things, you can, Interact with other geese in our networks. We have a fairly active Telegram group, and the link to that is over at Unloose the Goose forward slash. What is it, Jack? You made that page. I don't remember. I don't know. Just go there. It clicks. What's the name of it? Network. I don't know. <coughs> Get involved. Connect. <laughs> something like that. You'd think I'd know, but I didn't look at it right now. Um, and we also have a MeWe group, and the Facebook group is a little less active lately, I think, because people are getting kicked off in droves. So if you want to connect with us, I, I do recommend get on the Telegram, get on the MeWe group, because... It's community connections, by the way. That Community was, connections. It's so bullshit that beautiful, I couldn't Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> it's so, it's so uh, eloquent, I forgot what it was. Um, is our... Telegram group like t.me slash unloose the goose or is it like some long string of numbers? I don't know. I'll, I'll <laughs> see if I can change it. Or it is, uh, we have a really great unloose the goose telegram chat that's really fun. There's all kinds yeah. of good stuff that goes on in there. It's in community yeah. connections. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. The link's in community connections. And I think maybe we don't have a custom one. So we'll. <laughs> We'll maybe mess with that offline. Anyway, thanks for joining us for episode 18. And thanks uh, for the transcribers who take all of this. Oh, in. yeah, I meant to do that. Like, okay, so we do these shows, and we don't know what we're going to talk about completely. And um, we have a couple of ladies who write show notes for us every time. I have Amazing. no idea how much that means to me. So thanks, guys. Yeah. Honk, honk. Unloose the goose. No use. Your paradigms run out of time, and we've got no use.